This machine kills fascists. Always has to be retaught whether a flush beats a straight or whatever, and then and then it like comes back to me. Uh huh. But the reason I'm good is because you don't know when it comes back to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just I I am dumb and I'll play dumb and I do okay. <laughs> you know that actually kind of works. I, I hear that. Right. When was the last time you played poker? Oh, it's been years. I genuinely would have to be like, does a flush? Explain the straight. whole. Yeah. Explain the whole game. To explain me. everything. <laughs> I'm a big dumb baby. <laughs> I unfortunately would also need all the rules explained to me again. I I wish really badly. You know, I've had I've had my little runs with sports betting and stuff like that, but I've never I've never been like the poker card game gambling night guy. Yeah. We should do a casino night sometime. That sounds like a freshman, like, dorm party. You and I. Casino night. We're going to Vegas. Dude, fuck. I, Hell yeah. Big, <laughs> big time Vegas, baby. You and I are going to have take all of the expendable cash that we have. Sure. We're going to get on a bus. We're not going to Vegas. I, the, Vegas has never been one of those places. Atlantic City, then. That's, I'm way more into that. Havana. That's where I want to Well, go. obviously Havana, yeah. Yeah. Obviously Havana. Ob- obvi. I once... Uh, Shout out to Castro. Yeah, dude. 100%. <laughs> Good ball player. <laughs> yeah. Knew his cigars. Yeah, dude. He was a cool guy. Like, this is, this is not an anti-Fidel Castro podcast. <laughs> I can tell you that right fucking now. And normally we would say... By the way, welcome back to Hot Little Takes. Oh, are we rolling? Oh, I did, I, I did notice, but that's fine. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm Christian. You can also call this episode Porkin' for Sorkin, but we're going to get to that a little later. Porkin' for Sorkin and his and Hoen, monster hog. Hoen for Cohen, man. Holy moly. <laughs> man. But anyway, this isn't typically a political podcast, but I think maybe now... We should pay some reverence. In this moment, it could be for just a minute. This is... Uh, we're recording this late on a Thursday night. Uh, what is it? October 28th, before the election? Yep, a few it's days the out. 30th. It's Friday now, Jesus. actually. Not even close. It's, uh, it's midnight. It's just past midnight. Round about midnight. Great great record. So, I mean, I don't know. This will definitely We can save be, predictions for the end, this or will we could do it now. This will definitely be our last pod before... Yeah. Whatever happens. Before shit really hits the fan. Before half of the population is angry for a <laughs> while, no matter what happens. Yeah. I don't think that you can feel it in the air. You can feel the energy. Yeah, it's it hasn't been a great vibe even last. It's like we're all constipated together. A little bit, you know. A little bit. But we don't know what's coming when that release finally happens. That's that's a nice way to put it. Constipated, but with what? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Je ne sais quoi. It could be candy. We're great at metaphors around here. Yeah, we do a good job, pretty much. 
Uh, so you want to make predictions? I think that we sh- could make predictions. Okay. I but I wanted I just do you think but we got to knock on wood and stuff. Sure, but I wanted to ask you before. Do you think that the world is prepared for the for the weeks following? One way or another, no. Like, I would say no. Do you think that there that we are perhaps in for the biggest shit show? Oh yes, I think storm. this entire year has been building to this. And I and God, I hope when I finally hear this that I'm wrong. But I I think that the only thing that will keep things from getting completely crazy for the next few months will be the cold weather in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, that will be like the biggest limitation mm-hmm. to. Yeah, it's going to be a weird period. Nobody wants to be pent up for all winter. This is the last thing anybody wants to do after spending this whole fucking year like this. And the political stuff isn't just going to go away either way. No. You know? So, what do you think? Prediction? <sighs> I genuinely have, am, have like, have no fucking clue. It seems like it's going to be really close. It seems like... The same kind of bolstered. Nobody trusts the polls this time because the last time, the last time you know, right. like yeah. the. So there's a lot of bolstered, like, Trump's only got 40%, but we'll see what happens. I'm hoping, I told you, I'm hoping that the libertarians are going to be stealing votes from Trump. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And that's maybe the most useful thing they've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But come on, hot little take. What's going to happen on Tuesday? I really, really, really hope... No, no, no. What do you think? I... Th- bottom I mean, bottom I, of your I, It's like I don't even want to say it out loud because I don't want to jinx it, man. People but are I, saying all kinds I do, of shit. I do think that Biden's gonna... It's. I think Biden's gonna win, but I don't think Trump's gonna, like, let that go. And then I think we're gonna have to go to the Supreme Court. I think we're gonna see 2000... 2000 all over again. I was a teenager when Bush got elected. I remember the, I remember the hanging chads, man. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm an old man. I have seen how the Supreme Court can fucking fix an election and yeah. they that's that's why she was more of a priority to the Republicans than anything else through all of this. Than their own president's health through all of this was getting that woman seated and they got it. So we could be in for we could be in for that whole kangaroo court and that's kind of what i think is gonna happen that is exactly what i was gonna say yeah yeah i think trump's gonna have like 44 percent and they're gonna be like nah it's bullshit or something because i i think that biden is gonna win but it's or 54 gonna, it's gonna be inside the window that's worth picking a fight for in trump's mind yeah and it is gonna be the windows the the, the margin that they're saying is a difference is like the same margin that he's going to argue, ten. Right. You know, I'd say right. anything less than ten percent. Yeah. Of, oh yeah. You know they're gonna they're gonna. I think I think even twenty percent honestly. Well, and they're gonna be like all of these all the people who sent their votes in the mail got them voted. Yeah. First, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and at what point? And, and I know it pisses you off. It pisses me off too. But like. At what election have you ever witnessed where they voted, where they counted all the goddamn votes? You know? They call that shit early. Every time so that people can go to bed or so that they can have something shitty to listen to in the morning when they wake up. Mm-hmm. Like, 
So yeah. we'll see, man. It's going to be bonkers. It's going to be really, uh, you know. Uh, and that's what's weird about this Halloween. We've got these high cases, you know. We don't even have costumes. <laughs> Christian and I are pretty good about Halloween costumes. Do you want to do some? We, do you want to talk about some? I, that's past man, ones? man, Mike. That is just incredible podcasting by you. Because we have had a couple. I would say that I'm not typically always very good at Halloween. I don't enjoy it that much because I spent my whole twenties dressing up in a costume every fucking weekend. Yeah, as, usually as did you. Usually, as actors, you gotta pay us to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know. But we're we, not the types that trying to work at the Ren Fair, man. We really broke on the scene. No it, offense to our friends who work at the Ren we, Fair. We, we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or used to whatever. We really broke onto the the Halloween couples costume scene in 2014 while we were doing a production of Dracula. John, uh, Mike and I were Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. That was a good one. And we Although were Sid Vicious is now someone I would not dress up as. Yeah, so but, I got I did. Or that. I mean Johnny Rotten. You were Sid. Yeah, Sid. Johnny. Sid also, you know, hasn't really aged well. Yep. Yep. But we had fun. We had funny accents. We were a blast. People were loving People us. People loved us. And we yeah. just called them cunts all night long. Yeah, no matter where we went. <laughs> no matter where. Yeah, people, and everybody loved it. People let us behave however we wanted. Yeah. We were punk rock. <laughs> punk as fuck, man. Uh, and I'd have to. I'd, I'd apologize for you once in a while, but right. that was all in character. Right. You know. That's right. That's enough, Sydney. Yeah, that's right. That was good stuff. Uh, and then a couple of years. After that, I'm trying to think of what the order was here. We were, we were both the young pope. Yeah, we were, we were the young pope. We both went to, and we've talked about this on the podcast. That's right, before. about Destan showing up. Yeah, there were th- many popes at that party. The, yeah, and then the the year after that, we were James Franco's twin characters from The Deuce. We and were I think Johnny I was or, Vincent, and you were Frankie, right? I was Vincent, you were Frankie. Well, see, this is why. Franco did such a good job in that show. Because <laughs> even we don't know the difference. Uh, and then la- last year, I don't believe that I dressed up for Halloween. If I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember last year. I don't remember it. I don't remember it. I don't recall. We were gonna... the So the one the one Halloween cousin that we've never... Because it would take serious commitment, but we've wanted to do this for a long time, is to be Patsy and Edwina from Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. one, we've never had kind of the, I think, event to really flex on right. with those costumes. Right, we'd, like, have, we'd have to go enter a contest if we yeah. were to really go for it. Like, we can't just dress up as those gals and go to, like, some sad house party or go to the bar. It's also a, <laughs> that's also a financial investment, because I imagine, Absolutely. I imagine even work. getting that beehive is going to cost, like, 50 bucks. Yeah, it would take work. On a bad day. It would take work. Yeah. Plus, we'd have to just like get blasted off like a fucking couple of everything. Oh yeah, and we'd like just the costuming alone. I mean, those were fashionistas of well, their time, and just now that stuff attitude. is vintage. Yeah, of course. This year we were gonna be our Pat and Defoe from the Lighthouse. Yeah, and that and, and I have the and, mustache prepared. And I went to hiding. Spirit Halloween yesterday. Nothing. No beards. Get your shit together, Spirit. And I know it wasn't a COVID thing, because you had wigs. Yeah. You had wigs. And no, mustaches. Not a single beard. How am I supposed to be a surly wiki keeper? Yeah, dude. And I couldn't find a sailor hat either, which seemed obvious. Yeah. They had a big... This was funny, though. There was a big section that was like almost untouched of uh, police uniforms and stuff. <laughs> 
and like Is sexy that real? cop outfits. Yeah, I swear to God, like they like None. they were bulging out like into the aisle because nobody was nobody wants to be a cop this year. Are you kidding me? That's hysterical. No one wants to be a sexy cop. No. No. No, they, no, they do not. No. Because there aren't any. Not in this country. Hell no. Where <laughs> do they have? What country has the sexiest cops? You think? Oh, there's this one meme I've seen where it's like it's like an incel thing where this guy it's like this <laughs> this cop in like in like England or something and they're like can't she go to work without dressing like that and this girl <laughs> responds she's like what do you want to leave her ass at home like. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, incels. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, hopefully they'll vote libertarian and steal votes from the Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can leave that there. We'll yeah, live. I know. This is the most political we've ever gotten. Well, last time we just bleeped it all out. So we can... Oh, we'll, maybe, we, maybe we'll do that. Maybe time. we'll do that. We'll revisit this in a week and have that discussion. So... Yeah, we could be in all sorts of spirits. We could be in all sorts of One spirits. One way or the other. So, we've got some stuff on the docket. We've got a usually, lot of stuff. Usually, the last couple times we've done this, I've come prepared with a with a, an iPhone folder of notes, but today I don't have any, because we've just been kind of freebasing a lot of uh, new movies. Yeah. How long has it been? Yeah. New, I mean, new material. New material. We talked about this last they've, week on the Stuff they've been holding out on us. Yeah. We talked about this before with Boys in the Band, but we haven't released that podcast yet. Yeah. Um, we're, we're a little behind, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. You're going to get some good stuff coming down the pipe. So, the first thing I think that we should start with is the return of, I mean, we can talk about this, the Sorkin-assance and the Sasha Baron Cohen-assance. Yep, so yep. We, so both we got, of those guys are having real good times. And we're going to talk about, first, I think, Borat's subsequent movie film. Sure, let's open with that. <laughs> Since we're already political. Great success. Yeah, this shows, this movie is going to... I'm really glad they got it out before the election. I knew they were going to do that. Well, what a well-plotted production they had, clearly. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, now people are running around trying to justify whether or not Rudy Giuliani w was about to pull out his shriveled little... His bat-like wiener. ...fucking <laughs> raisinette of a penis. Uh, do, we wanna, do you want to start with Giuliani? or do, or do <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing that really, on a broader that's, scale, everyone's talking about this right. movie. But yeah, had, so did you... Let's get into... We can, you want to do the history of... Bo well, we don't, I don't, we don't really need to get into the history of Borat, I don't think, but but it is worth noting, because I did... I watched... I revisited some of it the other night, just kind of flipping through it, but also was looking it up and had forgotten that this movie made, like... More than three hundred million dollars when it came out on like a fifteen million dollar budget or something. The like first that. one. Yeah, I mean, and it was like, and we all remember, like it was one of the oh, most. Oh yeah, like, it was like Austin Powers levels of like annoying quotability. Yeah, and know? that lived on for. I mean, I swear to God, someone had said my wife to me a month ago. Sure. <laughs> you know, if not. In anticipation of the new one. Well, but even that was like pretty. It's only in a, came it's about very in the recently. Lexicon. We, yeah. It's in the zeitgeist. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars that year. Man. If you want to talk about it just, like, really getting inside the zeitgeist of the world at the time. And that, and he, the guy's a genius. I mean, I've been talking to people about him just, like, 
just the method, his whole method of getting people to show what shitty people they really are in front of a camera. It's like amazing. It's amazing. All he has to do is say, I agree with you, you know, and validate their bigotry. Mm-hmm. And they're completely willing to, you know, it's a little all gas, no brakes vibes. Although he's not like in Shouts to all gas, no brakes. Shouts to all gas, no brakes. You guys should look it up if you've never seen it. It's incredible. Great series where this guy's go to conventions and stuff and they interview the craziest people and he's not disagreeing with them he's not agreeing with mm. them but he's being he's just giving a forum and that's yeah. kind of i think what sasha baron cohen absolutely discovered too is like let the let the bigots be bigots and you've got content man here's what it looks like here's what it looks like yeah and don't forget that it exists you yeah. know because if you don't see it sometimes it's real easy for people to be in their bubbles you That's know. a great line to draw, Mike. All gas no breaks does not happen without Borat. Yeah, you know it I might think... be, but now, but he doesn't have to put on a character, so it's almost like yeah, totally. Well, know, yeah, Sasha no. Sasha walks so he can run. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it inspired like an entire generation of transgressive political humor, really. Yeah, and we wouldn't have it without Tom Green. Either. That is also a good point. <laughs> so I mean, there's a legacy going on. I love That's it. a weird one. What a great what a what a great way to start. So, all of that said, this the new movie has a lot less of the kind of exposing the the underbelly of bigotry, sort of as you were explaining there. Yeah, it seems like we this, already know all the things that the first movie showed us. Yeah, of course, and they make it clear in the in the flick, obviously, that like Borat can't just run around. And be Borat, because people are uh-huh. like, I've seen you, motherfucker. Uh-huh. They recognize him immediately. <laughs> and that whole sequence of the film of him, like, finding his, like, Falstaff suit, you know. Yeah. Incredible. And and him doing, like, well, Borat doesn't know how to do an accent, so I'm, I'm just a dude playing a dude playing another dude <laughs> kind of thing going on with it. <laughs> Such I did think Cohen, that was really funny. Sacha Baron Cohen would be a great Falstaff, though. Just on, the, on a side note. See, after seeing him in a fat suit. Sure. I bet he'd be better than Russell Brand at, uh... What's the one from... Uh, the Tempest. Oh, he... Trunculo. Uh, he plays, uh... Oh, Trunculo, yeah. 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 Oh, dude, he'd be great. Sure. I'd, I'd see Sacha Baron Cohen do a one-man Tempest. Are you fucking kidding me? Sure. <laughs> so, like we were saying, there's more narrative on this one with his daughter... Yeah, which was one it, of the first things that you texted me about, about how good this actress is in this part. It's kind of her movie. Totally, I mean, yeah. he really kind of hands the ball off to her. Like, she's Slovakian actress, model, whatever. Like, right. and uh And she, like, handles the, the you know, you really have to, like, kind of run the room and be a con man. And oh, that's my what God. he does, you know, and kind of, like, just own the situation that you're in. Yeah, she matches him step for step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's, like, totally on board. And there are sequences in that movie that seem very contrived, like the stuff with the guys that he's living with. The QAnon during, guys? During COVID. Yeah. And, like, the the black woman that he, like, the, leaves the, the professional the babysitter. babysitter. Yeah. yeah. Those are real people and real interactions. Like, those are not... They... they it almost seems like scripted into the story certain elements. This this woman's like, baby, you you don't want to get married. You're 14 years old, and you're like, oh, they set her up for this. And yeah. Like, no, those people are 100. percent I had to I had to think in the last scene when he is Borat for real, for real, 
and she's giving him the ball and chain. Oh, some of those. That she has to be like, There's this was be. a fucking Borat Right. Movie? There's gotta be some of that. <laughs> like, you can tell they have all the villagers be like, pretend you're glad he's leaving town or whatever. Dude, like, that, that shit's, shit's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know he got sued? Yeah, I, yeah, I read some the, of that. But one of those women at the synagogue, and I think they dropped it. I think they've realized, you know, they can take a joke. What a touching scene. That was amazing. But then he turns it around and it's like <laughs> yeah, it's just, classic just... fashion of like, t- you know, because the whole character of Borat was created to let, shine a light on anti-Semitism. Right. You know, it's right. just kind of evolved from there. What are, your, what are the other sequences that stand out in your mind? Well, I know everyone I've talked to has brought up the one where they go to the cotillion kind of thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That Another goes, one that you're like, this like, has to be It goes staged. from zero to a 50, like, <laughs> yeah, dude. like, in three seconds. Yeah, dude. You're, like, you're like, wow, they're really very metered. And the whole time I was like, wow, they're really not drawing any attention yet. Uh-huh. And then they just, I don't want to spoil it. It's an amazing sequence. <laughs> And everyone's so horrified and doesn't, like, stop it. No. You know? Like, some people are like, you need it. Somebody needs to do something about this. Yeah. You know? Kind of. And other people are like, well, you know? Yeah. And a lot of them are just kind of gawking and like, I can't believe this. And aren't questioning for a second its authenticity. Right. Oh, they're foreign. They're just foreign. Those crazy. This is why we don't we don't. This is why. Yeah. This is why. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the, what about you? What are some, just some highlights? The f- the fucking scene after she eats the the figurine from the cake and they go to the oh the baby oh I, my I put a baby in me or whatever oh my god and he's like it is he's like what's the problem it's, oh well that it's, guy was it's not living that guy was a total scumbag he worked for one of those organizations that are like they, they it was called like a it was called like a family planning health clinic thing yeah and and you know where you think you'd be able to get an abortion done or something like that and it's just this religious guy sitting there with a sonogram who's gonna like tell girls that they're gonna go to hell and that their baby's gonna go to hell or something just crazy shit oh yeah fuck that guy there were a few there were so many fuck that guys oh absolutely you keep calling her your daughter I liked his good old boy COVID conspiracy buddies though, because you're like, man, these guys are well intentioned. They're just dumb. You know? Oh right, because they're like, yes, the Clintons suck the blood of children, and then they're also like, women have equal rights. Yeah, and then they're like, you can be our weird foreign friend, and we're like, we'll help you find your daughter. And I like, that was the that was the first scene that I was like, these guys have to. I guess not, but who knows? You know, it's easy to say. 100% that that was not staged, but I don't know. It's still fun. I really, I loved his song that he wrote with them. It was so racist oh my God. and awful. Oh it my was God. such a fucked up song, but that scene was great. Because he just gets, he just gets, and he had done that as Borat on the show, on Ali G, I think at one point. Too, yeah. Like, singing, you know, Is that pro, the one? pro-American racist anthems about, like, we're not going to let the Jews get us and stuff. And then it's amazing how many racists just like prairie dog out of the ground and are like, yeah. did somebody say the one kill guy, the Jews? The one guy fucking does the Nazi salute. Uh-huh. Like, just like, 
And you, like, even like this. As natural as you or I might spit on the ground. It's And, like, the residual look on his face is like, oh, I hit one in public. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, whoa. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> always wanted to do that. God damn. Jesus, man. And it's nice to see somebody who's out there, you know, saying white supremacists are bad people. Yeah. In this day and age. I really appreciate an artist who's like, fuck this. Yeah. You don't see enough of that somehow. And we always say we, we, we appreciate when art is turned into something that's like a tool. Not for like radicalization or like politicization with an agenda, but like genuine... Have a have a philosophical reaction to what you witnessed, you know. Yeah. I can see someone watching that movie and being like, "Ah, goddammit, it! I need to stop being such a racist." Yeah. You know. Well, think about. I say a lot of racist shit on the internet that maybe I don't really mean because oh, yeah. or whatever your whatever your fucking thing is because you think you're funny and edgy and stuff. Well, I'm think I mean just thinking about how much time has passed, just thinking about the people who were going to watch this movie. For sure. This isn't like some fucking esoteric David Fincher movie on Netflix. It's yeah. the new Borat movie. Mm-hmm. And it's been, however, what, 15, 16 years or whatever since the last one. That's 15 years of people who have like aged into the period of time where they would watch that first one and then be, you know, whatever member of society that they are. Lots of different people think Borat is funny right. for a lot of different reasons. And I think a lot of those people probably voted for Trump still. Well, and they I might mean? have seen that first one with not maybe the same um kind of like matured scope to get the layers of satire that are happening in exactly that. these are the people who worship tyler Durden. the people who would be interviewed by borat yes. as opposed to the people who are laughing at the people who are being interviewed right. by borat right kind of vibe right so let's talk about giuliani <laughs> let's get to giuliani <laughs> Enough, enough, enough fapping about. Uh, I, what the fuck? Okay, so did you, because that, did you watch the Giuliani thing separate of the movie before you watched the full movie? The interview? Wait, what the thing? The, like, the whole Giuliani scene. Because that kind of, that, for me, that broke on Twitter before I had even watched the movie. Oh, the actual scene? Yeah, because a lot of people right no, away were like, what heard, the fuck? I had heard about it, but I, I watched Borat, like, immediately when it came out. Like, you I did. was up that night, it was, like, midnight, and I was like, cool, they, I'm starting it right now. It, it came out the night and of the debate. Yeah, I think the next day I was like, bro, you gotta watch Borat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so I... So, had, so, you, I had, so you watched it with I watched eyes. it. I watched it with, with virginal eyes. I didn't watch the Giuliani thing, I just knew that there was... A Giuliani thing that happened at some point. Well, I had heard that there was... I'd heard kind of like, he whips his dick out kind of thing, like on Reddit or something. You just kind of, you just kind of knew that it was... It's bad. It's, it's, and then it was going to like fuck his career up. And, and the thing gonna, about that, because you hear that, and then you watch it, and it is so bad. It's gross. It's fucking awful. And you know that like Sasha Baron Cohen was probably like... Holy shit! <laughs> he like took the bait so hard, and had to like get in there and save that poor girl. I think a lot of people's reaction to it is like, Jesus Christ, our our leaders are probably so easy to manipulate or to get information from. Like, 
she, I mean, shit, man. If you're a, like a Russian spy. I, I mean, I know the Republicans really like the Russian spies right now, but that doesn't mean they won't like fucking murder you after. It doesn't mean she's not waiting for him to talk in his sleep, like, you know, Indiana Jones style or something. Oh my God. I, it's crazy the, uh, how we live in a world because we've elected a fucking, it's because the Republicans elected a movie star fucking 30 years ago. Yeah. And now the line between entertainment and politics is completely fucking dead. And now Borat is affecting Rudy Giuliani's career. And he should, because it's gross. And he's a fucking weird, gross old piece of shit. Yeah. Fucking. I, so, yeah, there's no point in us, like, spoiling the scene, really. I think but, everybody's heard what's, what happened. But just so you know it from us, it is it is that bad. Yeah. <laughs> As Mike just laid out it's very finely. It's fucking awful. There are no compunctions that no. some, like, that, you know, people are like, oh, he was just, you know, he was taking his mic off and stuff, but, like, come on, man. That was, like, lazy foreplay, I guess. <laughs> Call it what you will. Whoa. Do you think that was going to be the end of that situation? You're fucking crazy. They're, like, sitting on her bed. They're drunk. No, no, no. Don't spoil. Don't. This is the stuff okay. that... Okay, okay. This is the stuff that people need to watch the movie. Okay. And, but way to win the episode using uh, compunctions. Incredible stuff. Oh, nice. Cool. Mm. It was my word of the day toilet paper. It's really paying off. Fuck yeah, dude. I invested in the good stuff. No one was buying that back when COVID starts, so I've, yeah. got, I've got an entire closet full of word of the day. Not really. I was, I, okay. That would be funny. The silence that you heard was authentic stunned me. <laughs> That's like a character. <laughs> we should write that. Cut all this. Let's write that guy. No, no. <laughs> all right, well. That's do you wanna... like a Kurt Vonnegut character. Yes. <laughs> That's a great short story. Sure. Do that. Dude. Yeah. I'll cut that part. Well, do you want to take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about our, our Sorkin marathon? Yeah, we gotta, cause we're fucking snorkeling for hor- for, for Sorkin's horking fucking knob. Okay. <laughs> Nothing is ever. We talked. I remember like this time last year we were talking about how we thought that we were gonna get sucked into the whimsy. My cat is losing his shit right now. Of uh, uh, the Dark Crystal series, which I kind of was. You never. Wa- I re-listened to all those, and you promised to watch them a couple times. I man. never finished those. Yep. They just. And the other one we always were going off about was Bill and Ted. Which I still haven't seen. None of these things are ever going to really match the the nostalgia you have for the original, you know? You know, the only thing that did, and I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I rewatched the High Fidelity movie the other day. Sure. And And that new show did a great job. And and that did it. That did a great job. You know, I was a very mature child. But it was different (laughs) enough, too. It was a show. They did a lot of... They they changed a lot of little things enough to... They did it perfectly. Not be like ripping it. If they had a young guy doing like a John Cusack impression in that thing, it would have blown chunks. Yeah, blown huge chunks, bro. Did we ever talk about it? What bullshit it was that they canceled that show? 
Yeah, we attributed it to COVID, like a lot of the other live action things. It irks me. Oh, another thing before we get into Rachel Brosnahan has a movie coming out on Netflix or on Amazon soon. I don't know what it's about. I just saw that's like one of their big things. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Sure. (laughs) I mean, but I have. I mean, I have one piece of missing information that we have not brought up on the podcast. That's going to segue us. I think well into our our last discussion. Shouts to Jeremy Strong winning the Emmy for Succession. Let's pour one out for him. To our guy. Rizzo the Rat. Our number one boy. (laughs) Our number one boy. So well deserved. Is this how you're transitioning? Yeah. Because because Jeremy Strong rules balls. And you know who knows that? Aaron Sorkin. He rules all the balls. (laughs) Yeah, he gets a couple of good Sorkin appearances. Yeah, man. We've both been watching the, the, like... The entire Netflix catalog that has been released of Sorkin's. Holy shit! And it was a treat, man. So, okay. Oh, we're experts now. I, you feel a little like one, don't you? Sure. Hey, it's... Christian, why don't French people take more than one egg? Because one egg is enough. Isn't that a joke worth using in multiple, <laughs> multiple. scripts? <laughs> yeah, we know all the isms now. But I... I do just want to say, and obviously the main thing that we want to talk about is the trial of the Chicago 7, which I think came out, what, like, what two weeks ago now? Yeah, and if you haven't seen it yet... Get you, on um, You might have just not been paying attention, because it's going to be talked about come Oscar season. 100%, and we can talk more about that a little bit later. But, so that movie was coming out on Netflix, and it was kind of this... Everyone knew it was this big kind of flashy thing with these this big flashy cast. And Netflix, who... We, for the last year, been like, these Netflix, guys just, like, slap. Like, we used to make fun of them, but they are so good we now. We talked about how they were doing a turnaround back when, like, the Irishman and stuff like that was getting made. Yeah, right. And what a fucking amazing job they did of getting as much Sorkin on there to, like, bring you up to date. To get ready for this. Yeah, they, they got, like, six or, like, five or six Sorkin movies and the West Wing on yeah. there to hype up this movie, Pretty, I think, which seems like a movie that they were like, what's the movie you've always wanted to make, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, you know, no shit. But no this shit. is like him slapping his writer dick all over it. like. And I think, so this is the second film that he's directed. Yes. Uh, Molly's Game being the which first. Which we watched and, that, we'll get back to that. Right, and I, well, we can, we can talk about that a little now, I think, because the... Trial of the Chicago 7 is such a stronger film than Molly's Game is. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing especially with especially a, a, a much bigger film, you know. It it is. It's but, like it's well, a it's a good like sophomore follow-up to a successful I think Molly's Game is good. I liked Molly's Game a lot, but I think that it does suffer in some thing some kind of screenplay to directing it's a transition molly molly a lot of it's like a play a lot of what sorkin writes we've both talked about is very theatrical right if you get that obviously it could happen in one location but since you're on film we're gonna let him walk around a little bit and give some movement but and that's like what i think he likes the courtroom trial thing he likes the yeah you know he likes characters in an office right having a, a uh disagreement of the minds you know and he really likes a fixed dynamic Mm -hmm. you know 
lawyer client Part, uh, partners on a firm partners yeah it's in never a, it's in never creation. just friends hanging out it's kind of that no. <laughs> it's kind of it's uh always without getting too philosophical like like a foucault kind of like power dynamic relationship happening you know it's a doctor and a patient it's a, a yeah. employee and a boss it's like founder and a co-founder right it's never really i mean rarely is it just about I guess People. Steve, yeah, it's, and if it is, it's mother issues and father issues. Right, which is inside of Steve Jobs, which... And in Molly's games, daddy's yeah, issues. of course. They both had a lot of daddy's issues. Yeah, yeah, there's daddy stuff. Yeah, I was doing, like, in my mind, kind of the, the strings on the detective case, watching those movies and just thinking about, like, oh, similar symbolism, similar relationships, similar yeah. this and that. Loves the, loves the wunderkind. You know. Yes, he's he likes genius. Yeah. Yep. So shit. I mean, do do you want to talk about Chicago Seven or do you want to just like let's, do let's do you want to do a touch up on all the because a lot of these we saw for the first time. I mean, the other sure. Movies. Let's go. Down, do you want to let's go down the list and then end with Chicago Seven because that's the okay. one we really want to talk about the most. So I guess the, what what dates back the furthest? Social Network. Yeah, and that's one that you've given me shit before. I mean, I've confessed that I'm I, had, a bit, I'm, I had never seen before. So, so why don't you talk about it a little bit? Because I'm huge on Social Network. Uh, I mean, I had so I was. Uh, I'll start by saying that this whole Sorkin thing for me started with like first time watches of the first couple seasons of The West Wing. That's right, and I didn't do that. So that, so you had a, the, so that the, was the already getting class. me like into his zone, and so it was really easy for me to watch like all these movies in like two days. But yeah, The Social Network, I, I really liked. I think I avoided it before because it was like, fuck Mark, fuck, j- j- fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Like, yeah. But the movie does a really great job of not making him a likable person. Right. And it's kind of like great for Jesse Eisenberg for all the reasons that I usually don't like him because I'm like he's just not a he's got a, he's great he's got though. a punchable face right. kind of actor uh, you know and, and it is, he is a, and he does a great job actually oh no he I, I think the the performance is pretty much across the board in that movie are really it's really a great good. it's great and it can I think it kind of like brought a lot of attention back for Sorkin in the last few years it kind of started his oh, was a fucking more Fincher recent movie. renaissance though <laughs> yeah. well it was Fincher it was fucking Trent Reznor like it was all these great minds Ugh, coming this, together the score to is a thing, thing. That I really it was loved. such a topical movie like it really it was a big deal I knew that it was a oh, big yeah. deal and I kind of uh, deliberately was being an obnoxious little shit by not watching it that movie looks so different if it's made now which is, yeah, I we, think, and that's it, we talked about. I think before, where we'd be interested in seeing like a modern version of that. Like, I mean, even or, just like, or how that, or how even Mark Zuckerberg has changed since then. And well, and the Facebook way that we perceive changed. him, and the and a, a thing that gets brought up, I think, a lot between Steve Jobs and the Social Network is Steve Jobs is like the the film is way harder on Steve Jobs than it is on Mark Zuckerberg and the social network. And it's like, if those movies were made at opposite times, that changes completely. The one thing it suffers from a little bit is like, well, he's like a prodigal genius, so he shouldn't know better. But you're like, fuck that dude. Like he, the whole thing starts with him doing sleazy and shitty things, you know, and he remains that way throughout. He never, he doesn't really change as a person at all. That's not the point of the story. Yeah. You know? He starts as, like, a piece of shit, and he ends as a piece of shit. Yeah. 
And I told all of, you how all much... of the drama is kind of de defeated in a great way at the end where it's like, you're going to just settle, man. This is how this works. This is business. You yeah. have mo you have more than enough money to like end these lawsuits and get ready for the next ones that you're going to be facing. And that's how business is done nowadays. It's really sad because all these fucking billionaires don't have to be accountable. They can just like literally pay off all their court fees and all their... We could sue them right now, and we could probably get like ten bucks. <laughs> and he'd be like, "Whatever, just take ten bucks and fuck off." Like, who cares? I did, the the lines blurred as you were talking. I couldn't think of which movie we were talking about until you really got to the end. Because Jobs, the movie functions the same. It's very pretty similar. much exactly the yeah, same way. It's very very similar kind of character, unlikable genius. I do. You know the thing yeah. that I really loved about Steve Jobs, and I don't know why I hadn't seen that movie until now i told you that i think that fassbender performance in that movie is just he's like, great in that he's fucking so, electric kate, kate uh winslet's really kate great winslet, i mean everybody's really good our guy michael stolbarg pops up in that movie and you're i like, think i yes. probably i liked that one more i'd i'd say i wasn't as crazy about either of those as some of the other sorkin stuff we're going to talk about sure. just because of like the him kind of elevating to a certain degree these right. douchey people the thing you I know, think that who were who were really exploiting a lot of people. Who oh were, yeah, yeah. I think the thing that Steve Jobs like, ex you know, just exploded for me that made it work so well is how theatrically it's written. Yes, it was like three acts. It's a three act and play it was over the course of like fifteen years. So I really loved that element. I think oh. that's why I liked it more too. Oh my god, that it, was cool. It was just it was sweeping. You know what I mean? I I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. And Sarah Snook is in that movie as the kind of second assistant, so another Sorkin uh, plucking the succession. The other thing it did really uh, cool... Daisies. That was, like, theatrical was that it, like, was taking place backstage before these big events that were happening in a theater. Yeah. And which is something totally. like as a it makes it makes me want to like rip it off and put it in a play where you're like, okay, we're gonna have three acts of a sure. play taking place in a green room. Yeah. You know? It's kind of a it's kind of a very self serious version of noises off in a, in a way. <laughs> I mean oh, it, but it has but all those elements. Yeah, but like it's barely about them setting the show up. It's all about the the drama happening behind the scenes every single time. Was oh no, there's there's there. lots of drama about the uh, about the, the, no, wanting the exit signs. There is, there is but, the those are, but those are but those are like but those are the real heart of the thing is also going through where sure, like sure, sure. Every, Wozniak being like just give him credit, you bastard, you know, like which is actually like I gotta give Rogan credit because he's usually not my favorite like ranged actor, but he does a great. He figures it out in that movie. Yeah, I think I think uh, he's. I think Fassbender is like a guy he's he, you got to punch up toward, and he does a he does, formidable he, job. Like I totally, was, I, you know, totally. feeling his plight where he's like, just give him credit, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think you kind of wonder what Michael Stolberg is like in that part. He's probably a little more grizzly. Oh, he was great in. But it, he's though. good in that. He's so he good. was in the right part for like because he the scenes he had to do were like, you gave my daughter money. Well, and that whole thing, it's like, nice. I like when he's a likable guy. When Solberg's likable, you're like, he was a likable guy in that. He was just oh like, yeah. Every scene he was around all the time, where he's like, God damn it, like, yeah, you know, he's great. I gotta deal with you every day. Steve Jobs, what a fucking great play. What do you want to talk about next? You want to do Moneyball? Or you want to do Molly's game? 
Uh, I, those ones are in similar wheelhouses for me too, because Aaron Sorkin likes his uh, likes his games, likes his likes his um, sport. Like, yes. Oh yeah. You know the story of that and stats. Yeah. Yeah. And stats. Yeah. Which and is... yeah, he's a he's a weird like right brained kind of artist or not right brained left brained right. He yeah. likes he likes things to be orderly and kind of yeah. clean and but he likes like... games that are kind of orderly and yeah. clean and but he's still like somehow like hedonist left brain. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. He's got a good <laughs> balance of it. Uh, let's talk Moneyball. You want to talk Moneyball? Yeah. Okay, so the reason that this... Because I ha- I realized as I was watching it that I, I had actually seen this in the theater and I think not even processed that it was a Sorkin movie because of the way that the dialogue comes out. It's a, it's such a quieter... It's not all snappy. Slower paced. Yeah. But it still has all of the reason and it still has all of the... I felt the Sorkin when it was like all of the all of the scouts sitting around yeah. and barking at each other. Because you know it's just him being like, this is the movie where I want to use all of my, like, old guy baseball. Yeah. Like, it's so um, good. Uh, turns of phrase and just that language and that kind of, like... I didn't look it up. Because those see... character actors they found for those were perfect for that dialogue. Those scenes, were they're, uh, they're all smoking. They're all... I was just going to say, like, the casting director gets an A++ for, for that section of the movie. Holy shit. That one was also directed by... Oh, we didn't talk about Jobs was directed by... Um, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. And Moneyball was directed by the guy who did Foxcatcher, which right. I never saw. But it's yeah. like, these are all and, really good... And a couple good, other things, yeah. These are good people to be paired with these these works. None, none so well as David Fincher, I don't think, but... Yeah, sure, sure. But it's worth pointing out. But Danny Boyle... But, like, is that Danny Boyle's best movie? No. Trainspotting. I mean... Obviously. I've never thought about it. I'm a big 28 Days Later guy. I mean, that's like his... Uh, Danny Boyle is to Trainspotting what Linklater is to Dazed and Confused. You know what I'm saying? Well, or Tarantino we're is fl- to Pulp this, Fiction. Okay, we, okay, this is... Maybe, you know. maybe we need to have a bigger Danny Boyle discussion at some point. Yeah. Who would who yeah. thought? Okay. We'll, uh, get, we'll get into that. Uh, okay. <laughs> what, okay what well, also, oh, you still haven't seen Shallow Grave. Yeah, but that's on Criterion, so we're yeah, going to talk about get that. get on that. Uh... Where, where else do you want to go? The, okay, so the Moneyball cast is the most uh, Dude, really money. Re- yeah. Uh, I w- okay, Brad, we know we like. He's charming. You He's love fun. Him. Uh, but Jonah did a, like an amazing. He wasn't like w- Wolf of Wall Street clownish. He was like really no. measured. He was the he was the boy with the plan. You know. But I think that the especially when I was rewatching it, something that I had forgotten one hundred percent. Is Phil Hoffman coming in? Yeah, I was gonna giving say. one of the most unflashy, just like and probably one of I'm, his I'm probably here, one of his last performances. One of his last performances. For he's sure. pretty big, but he was like um, there. Yeah, he was such a good. He was dusty or something Holy like that. Fucking shit! And he his shaved head and just his like whole demeanor was such the like because he played the. If you know, if we're talking about this being a play, like he's playing like the whole essence of ideology opposing them and yeah. holding them back. Yeah. And the scenes where they're like, "We sold your guys. Fine, you won't play the guys we want you to play. They are not your only option now. We fucking sold when the all of when he's teaching Jonah Hill how to do the interactions on the phone that." That was Sorkin-y. Oh, yeah, that's Sorkin-y. Snappy, sure. yeah, like... Yeah, 100%. But super fun, and they're like... They've got all these guys on the ringer, 
you know, like, that's the kind of thing that as a, as someone who, like, watches sports stuff on, like, kind of periphery, I'm like, I get how much people, yeah. like, love this shit. Well, and, and it's one this, of the... Like, this storytelling, because it's going to be on the news the next day. I'm totally. Like, this fucking trade happened. Oh, my God. The, I liked, what I really liked about Moneyball was the whole kind of, like, they're talking about how this sport, like, a lot of sports are... Or money is such a factor. Like this is such an underdog team. Like yeah. I'm all I love sports shit like that. I was oh, raised yeah. on those kind of kids sports movies. Like, sure, but what this what this does so well, which I've like, never seen done, is even even close to the angle that this takes on like just being mostly a front office move movie. Yeah, you know, like you very yeah, yeah. very early on, like Brad Pitt's in Cleveland. You don't in, see, in their office doing the trade. You, you don't really see nine guys around. You don't see anybody sitting around looking for the catch or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's all about this like math of the thing. Yeah, and you, it's dramatic like transitions where they're like, now they're winning. They they won. That's the most the most amazing shit is them yeah. winning all those games in a row. And I, you know, what's funny is I remember that season in my life when the Oakland Athletics just like kind of. Burst out of nowhere, Miguel Tejada and all those guys. I was like eleven. We're even oh sure, twelve maybe. And like we none, of, none of that's not stuff. aware of no not why at all. this is an not issue. At all. I mean, and it's a, the like the advanced analytics and stuff is big in basketball right now, and it sure. is in baseball too. And maybe shots to the LA Dodgers, they won the World Series of the night because they the Rays pulled a guy when it's like, why are you doing this? Well, it's kind of cool for them to have like. Well, I mean, beyond just kind of the mathematics of it. And they didn't really get into this too much in the movie, but I, I appreciate this. Is like, they are like bringing back the element of like good a good well rounded team is what you need. You don't need like one guy who's your fucking LeBron. You need like yeah. five guys. Work that you way. need five guys who like have their skills and are working their angles and like yeah. balanced out really well. Yeah, you don't cool. you don't you don't buy players. You buy runs. Yeah, buy, a, get bases. It's a great. You know, something to live by. Molly's Game? Molly's Game, I think, was, like, one of my favorites, honestly. Really? Maybe it was just, like, the... I don't know. It was dealing with addiction, and, and like, she was pretty fucked up. Like, the people who were playing were pretty fucked up. It was just... It was, like, kind of more grisly territory than yeah it's a little he usually does yeah yeah no i agree because he's not gonna make a movie where people are like capping each other left and right but no. he's gonna make a movie where it's like he's never gonna make the crack i movie. i my entire fucking illegal business was stolen overnight that's that's like as crimey as you see for oh totally but it's still like through the crimey and grimy it's still through the eyes of this you know, and I really, some, somewhat glamorous I former think Olympian. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm. I've got a new crush now after watching that too. On Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain does such a good job. You should see the uh, Miss Julie movie with her and Colin Farrell. Excellent. I bet it's better than the one on Miss Maisel. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so I I really liked Molly's Game. I thought it was a fun. Narr- I think I somehow, it's a fun story, but I think, there's something I think I got the caught off game. guard by the daddy issues too. That fucked me up. That stuff was weird. I guess my whole thing with the movie is that I don't think that the scenes with her and uh, Idris those weren't as great as those weren't as great as they could have been. I th- and then the I would have maybe recast him. I would have maybe like I can I see I can recast see, both of them. Eh, I kind of liked the way she like played it. When she was, 
It's when she of... was like drugged out. Yeah. More so than when she was like, but that it all kind of made the first like she hour. was this like crazy cultivated personality. Like that was a weird movie to watch and be like, Aaron Sorkin does these things that are like based on reality or yeah. like you know this. She signed off on that movie, you know. Yeah. And, like, but it's like it's hard to it's especially for the first like hour of that movie. It's hard to take all of those scenes and then you move into the the scenes of, you know, how she came to be what she is. And a lot of that's, like, done with voiceover, but it's the most exciting that was one, stuff. That was one thing I noticed, is that was his, like, this is, like, V-O, 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 V-O. So much. That has a great Jeremy Strong. Jeremy uh, Strong in, um, in such a weird performance. He's such a douchebag. You can kind of see his, like, douchey candle, like, audition oh, tape yeah. in that. Oh, yeah. I think that, that I can't remember He's if like, this... don't fuck with me. Quit fucking around. Come pick up your shit. You're fired. Honestly. <laughs> this isn't a fucking negotiation. Okay? <laughs> You're fucking hobo donuts. <laughs> I do I do really want to shout out Michael oh, yeah. Sarah's performance. Hobo bagels. Hobo bagels. Michael Sarah's awesome in this movie. That was gonna say that he was one of the reasons I really liked it. And I kinda went down a rabbit hole researching that because it's Toby Maguire in real yeah, life. Yeah. Um, who fuck you, Tobey Maguire? Yeah, Tobey Maguire. And there were stories, and I read the worst. Nick I read shit that like ever sh- there's a lot of worse. There's shit that like is not in that movie that he was such a piece of shit. You're like, why wasn't this in the movie? It almost sounds like too over the top. I think. Sure. Like right, which we can talk about in the show. But he's like, too. I just want to destroy people. So the the other thing, I think this is why I love this movie too much is Bill Camp. And his whole okay, so that's, oh, that's what I was to like it the best part of like almost any of the movies we've been talking about. Yeah. I feel like Bill Camp is the man. Bill Camp is amazing. Yes, and he also he's also really good in the Queen's Gambit. Oh, he's he, in that. Yeah, he's the guy who teaches her to play chess. Really good in Wildlife. Really good in The Night of. He's he's like an amazing, and he's the kind of guy you as like an actor you love to see like. Getting his kind of due now. He's a Chicago theater actor, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he seems like he's probably in his 50s or late 40s. Late 40s, early 50s. 40s, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he's a beast. His sequence is like the guy, you know, Molly's game is all about poker, and his whole thing is the guy who's like just falling out so hard. And it's like watching. It's such a It's like scene. a leaving Las Vegas, like. Yeah, it's, it's the like best it's, part of the middle of that movie. Yeah, it's like know? uncut gems in five minutes that you just like. It's bang like a, it's your a arm. pretty long sequence. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, it's longer than that. I mean, and and that and that was another part where Michael Sarah was like just being the devil too. <laughs> Wait, and it also because he's just like I got you covered, man. And they're just playing and playing and playing and playing. The what I <laughs> this is the I I may have taken this one note in my phone. The, that's the the kind of like breaking of the levy point in that scene features I think the funniest line in the entire movie, which was he didn't realize that Brad was bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what we were talking about earlier with poker, where it's like that's the funny. Uh, you can you can be bad and win because if people don't know that you're actually bad. I wish I had the rhythm of that entire line because it, you can tell that Sorkin was like do I make this just like this obvious, obvious, obvious it's, joke? But it's also like, <laughs> but it's also like how Hemingway would have written that. 
don't, they're like, yeah, don't just don't. cut the fat, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's bad. Just saying. He didn't know that Brad was bad. That's exactly <laughs> what's going on. Like, that character is great, too. I really also oh, liked yeah. the Irish guy from the IT crowd whose name I can never remember. He's, he's great in it. Chris O'Dowd or something. He played Lenny to James Franco's George. We've and... talked about this. <laughs> I've never seen That's... that, but I'd love to see it. God damn it. I love that story so much. Uh, Are we like way over? We're time? way we're way over. So let's let's talk Chicago Seven. Let's cut to the let's cut to the real baby. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. You watched it twice in two days. I watched you? it twice in two days. That's how you know you really love something. Yeah, I immediately like, we watched it. and I immediately told Katie I was like, because we do Saturday matinees, and I was like, this is what we're doing. I'll probably actually rewatch it pretty soon. So good. I might rewatch it tonight. How did it, I? I I'm not sure how to talk coherently about it because it. I love. I love the, we love the we love the era. So let's talk about totally. the era. Okay, it sure, takes sure, sure. place in the late sixties. It's about a riot slash protest that happened. Oh, the one so the protest one, slash riot because the one thing it's I wanted muddled. to actually start with because and I thought this one as I was watching it, the best way to set it up maybe is that this is the nineteen sixty eight Democratic National Convention. Yeah, this is very which, very relevant which, to nowadays. Which are our perhaps mutual biggest movie crush of all time. Jeremy the, Strong? No, the teacher in Dazed and Confused who was saying... You know, the 68 Democratic Convention was probably the most bitchin' time I ever had in my life. Hey, guys, one more thing. Hey, this summer, when you're being inundated with all this American bicentennial 4th of July brouhaha, don't forget what you're celebrating, and that's the fact that a bunch of slave-owning, aristocratic white males didn't want to pay their taxes. Yeah! in the Chicago 7? No, she was she was at the Democratic National Convention. She said she, it was... Oh, that's the joke of that movie is that that was the convention that like started a riot. Yeah. That's so amazing. <laughs> and we never got that joke in Days and Confused until now because we don't know our history very well. Boomers, this is the kind of shit you need to be teaching your kids if you want them to think you're cool. Come yeah. on. He sounds like Jack Black, doesn't he? Come on! Get your shit together, boomers. Uh, so this is a, this makes me love boomers. Movies like this, stories like this. Yeah. I dig this era. I dig the yeah. shit. The the Vietnam War was a horrible thing, and the fact that people like were fighting to save themselves and each other so much is like really, really commendable. And yeah. I, you know, how do people today not look at the way that the police murder black people? And see these protests as anything different. It's crazy to me, man. It's crazy to me that sometimes, in a lot of cases, it seems like people that were like a little more against the status quo back then did like a full 180 over the last 50 years or whatever. But at the same time, there there was always a status quo, and there still is, and both parties are part of it. Yeah. God damn, dude. America. God damn, America. God damn, America. Well, let's talk about how good the movie is. <laughs> so it's all people these... Know, people know what the fucking era is. So what's crazy about what this is. story is that it was all these guys that were on trial that were from, like, different organizations but being held accountable yeah. for what eventually happened. And they're, yeah. like, from just disparate, you know, the college socialists, the yippies, the... Yeah. The black the, the guys, the guys who were gonna be let off as part of the acquittal or whatever. Oh man, and really big shouts to those dudes who played those two roles. And they're like, "What are we fucking doing?" Like, <laughs> what was the line? He's like, "I don't know, but we're 
<laughs> as far as, this is the Academy Awards of protesting, and as far as I'm concerned, it's just an honor to be nominated. Sure. <laughs> Can we? I would like to say that Mark Rylance is the, the real star of this movie. Ooh, ah, ooh. Because he plays you, he so, plays their attorney, and he's like, you know, him and uh, Lou, what's his name? Frank Langella. Frigula. Yeah. Frank Langella. Yeah. Frank Langella. That's a respect on his name. That's Frank Langella. I almost said, no, but my brain went to like Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. (laughs) And I was like, I know that's not right. He was the Hulk. Looks like Frankenstein. I'm thinking of Dracula. That's Frank Langella. (laughs) That's how my brain works. This is why I always ask you. Was married to Whoopi Goldberg. Langella? Yeah. You know who else fucked Whoopi Goldberg? Who? Ted Danson. Fucking. Ted Danson? Stick, you stick man, you. Did I tell you that I watched a bunch of Curb on the plane recently? <laughs> no. It was, it was like the most That's pleasurable great. experience. That's also, like great. when you're on a plane, you're like, I am Larry David right now because everything that everybody Every, does makes sure. me nuts. You just look around, you're like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I, I mean, do you just want to go down the list of performances? We yeah. should say that this Sasha came, plays Abby Hoffman. But no, this came out in the news recently, and this is pertinent to the kind of Oscar buzz around this movie. They, all the, and it's one of the short, the, the pitfalls of this movie is that there's only, like, two speaking women, um, but all of the actors are gonna, they're all gonna run as supporting. Oh, great. <laughs> they're That's all, great. So they're just gonna block the category, I guess. Oh, I hope so. I hope they're all nominated, and the, the Academy Because I can think like, of five nominees. Uh, who are they? Um, Rylance. Rylance. Ferrigno. <laughs> Ferrigno. Uh, <laughs> Cohen, Strong, and I, and so... Are you going to say Redmayne? No, the I, the guy who plays Bobby Seal, and I, I wanted to remember yes. his name. He That's... just won a fucking Emmy, so I should know his name, but he's awesome in the movie. I don't think Redmayne deserves one because he just signed uh, the J.K. Rowling. No, like, we're not even going to discuss Redmayne on this podcast because I have nothing nice to say yeah, about him. He was or, all, he's him all, or his performance. Old Mumbles Magoo. Old Mumbles Uncomfortable Old Mumbles Magoo, Magoo signed the, signed the uh, fucking J.K. Rowling letter. My hand's in my pocket for no reason. I'm also really sad that John Cleese did that. But he's old. Yeah. And he doesn't understand things. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so Mark Rylance, arguably... Arguably the best actor in the world. They call him the best stage actor in the world. Who does this? The, Who does this? The big... The and big. have they seen Bobby Cannavale? <laughs> I've seen Bobby Cannavale live on stage, and he's one of my do you favorite think, guys. Do you think if he were standing... If he were in a scene with... <laughs> Dude, I would watch... Oh, wait, it. you're talking about Mark Lenz. I thought you were talking about Eddie Redmayne. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm talking about Mark Rylance. Sorry. I thought we were still on Eddie Redmayne. No, we're not talking about him. Because Bobby Cannavale would eat him. He would eat Redmayne. He would eat... Yeah, he would... He would mumble something and be like, What did you say? (laughs) I fucking didn't hear you. (laughs) We're at that point in the podcast. Okay, what about Rylance? I don't know. He just rules. He rules. And it's amazing that he... He's such a selfless actor... He t- he t- can take up no space. Yeah, he is the greatest stage actor in the world. And he just the same way that like um, the way that like Phil Hoffman enters Moneyball, you're like, well, that he's a guy. The first scene with Rylance, I didn't realize that was him at all. I was like, what is this people entering the court? Who is this man? He was one of those names that I knew was in it, but I thought he was gonna show up the way that um, uh, Michael Keaton ended up doing, which was like for a scene. 
But Mark Rylance, when when you first see him, he's like, I'm your attorney. I was like, oh, this movie's going to be so good. <laughs> I was like, he's going to be the attorney. He's going to be like Atticus Finch of this thing. Also really know? good. It was also a really good sign that Ben Shankman was his like number two. Ben Shankman's the guy who plays Lewis in the Angels in America movie. Yep, I recognize. And also just it's, it's how I And also just like pops up like he plays the guy that Michelle Williams gets involved with in Blue Valentine in the end and you're like, "Oh god. That guy's just like thanks for spoiling an actor." Me. You know, you love to see that. Yeah. They had, that this thing was full of that. And and it was Sorkin being directing again. This is him coming back to directing and being like, "Cool, now I really get to get the, you know, they say half the 50% of directing is casting. You and I both know that's true. I think they say 90% of it is casting. Okay, well they say a lot of it is casting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if Sorkin were here, he could give me the right numbers right. because he knows that kind of thing. Yeah, cuz he well, and he then figured it out. And then he'd like he'd like uh tell me what a bunch of words meant because I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> you know. That sort of thing. Do you know what casting is? Yeah, I can't say enough good things about uh, do, you, do you want to talk about Sasha and Jeremy Strong as one? Yeah, this, the yippies. They're the they're like the real clowns of the movie. So I, it is worth, because I listened to a, an interview with Sorkin about this. Because this project had been in development for like 15 years or something like that. He wrote the script for Spielberg. Yeah, this seems like the movie he always wanted to make. And Sasha Baron Cohen was attached to it always. Oh, really? And even 15 years later, he was like, if I'm not playing this part, I'm going to... I, I think uh, Sorkin said he threatened physical violence. He's like, he's like, I'll sue you and kick your ass. Yeah, like, there's, like there's no way you're making this without me. He's he's almost twenty years like too young or too old to play him. He's like a full foot taller than Hoffman. I don't care. And none of it matters. I don't care. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I looked up the picture of those guys afterward. Yeah, of and, course. And yeah. at the time, they also called them the something eight because Bobby Steele was included. Right. Um. But I can't remember what that was called. The Freedom 8 or something. Something, yeah. something less yeah. catchy. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy seeing how different they look. And you're like, okay, they weren't going for that. But that it's which a, is fine it's with a movie, me. man. It's, it's a just movie. fine with me, man. I don't need a prosthetic fucking chin. Yeah. That was one know. of the other things that I think in the, the first couple days after the movie came out, people were, people were kind of critical of the movie of not being heavy enough on its politics. Yeah, except you know, I okay, I knew the whole time that list was going to come up. And that's yeah. great. Right. And that's how that's what happened in real life. Yeah. That's how the case was won. This is an amazing historical thing. How have you, you know, what do you expect? What else? Yeah, what else do you want? It was a fucking it? circus that it was happening in the first place. Yeah. I mean, truly. And this is like a, a beautiful, poetic, and timely way that that was resolved. Yeah. Which is why everyone needs to see that movie and know their American history. It's a nice piece of it. And Sorkin has talked about how there's like so many things from the, the transcripts of that trial that happened that were so silly. He was like, I can't believe this in. No one's going to believe this. That was a big thing with, the, with Frank Langella's character. People sort of don't believe that that judge was as menacing and ridiculous as he was. It's just crazy. It's like, you've watched My Cousin Vinny, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And you believe that guy could be that awful, even though he's played by Herman Munster. You know, why can't Dracula... Oh, there's our connection. There you See? go. There you go. Franklin Jella, Herman Munster. Pretty weird. 
pretty weird. All right, what else do we want to say? Are we, <coughs> we're, like, way over time. Should we, like, wrap it up? Yeah, we're over time, but, I mean, we can say... I don't know, is there any... You're the one who has to go slog through all this. Is there... Are there any, any scenes you want to point out in particular? <sighs> I mean, I think the... And this is why I think it's weird that you said that critics thought this movie was too lighthearted. Like, the scene with Bobby Seale getting gagged and stuff was, like, nuts. They do a good and job. it's nuts that that happened. They did that well. They did that really well. Yeah. That one stands out. All of the humor stands out. I mean, pretty much every second that Jeremy Strong and Sasha Baron Cohen are on the screen stands out. Jeremy Strong is amazing. When he catches the egg <laughs> and Sasha Baron Cohen's like, how did you catch that? Experience. Experience, man. He was almost doing like the Tommy Chong but, voice. But like, he's far oh, but he's still, Tommy Chong. But he's still a lot more grounded sure. and like vulnerable. Well, but then he's like, Alright, guys, this is how you're gonna make a Molotov cocktail, man. Put your guns out and fight like men, motherfuckers. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's so funny. He's so good. I I hope both of those guys get nominated. They both should get nominated for a supporting act. I think Sasha Baron Cohen stands Rylance should definitely get nominated. Oof, dude. He's the man. But we're such Jeremy Strong fanboys, but god damn it, if he doesn't earn our respect. I fanboy for all those two guys that, we just, that we've talked about. Sure. Seems like we're fans of everybody in this movie except Redmayne. I don't just Which is, he's fa- actually fine for the character, because the character's not supposed to be likable. You know who I and would... it's going back to the punch face thing you that know... we talked about with the uh, social network where it's like, this guy's supposed to be kind of a piece of shit. Well, you know who I would have liked better in there? If it has An to... American? If it, well, I was just, <laughs> just going to say if it has to be a fucking British guy. There's a little too many British people in this American movie. For me. Sure, that's always the thing. I'm like, why do we not... But I would have rather, I would have rather had Andrew Garfield... From the social network in that part than it Yeah, did. but he's not like a white guy. Yes, he is. Which well, is why it's so bizarre. He's not in the social network. They like make it like a point where they're like, that even, guy's though, even to, though he's like a broy. He's supposed to be Brazilian. That real guy was, but the Andrew Garfield <coughs> plays it in that movie for whatever reason. I don't know what his heritage actually is. I just he's know that's British. What he plays in that. He's a white guy. Jesus Christ. He is 100% a white Look, man. Hollywood, can you please give some Americans some work to play some Americans? <laughs> give me the role. The British guys. <laughs> give me the role. I'll play. I'll the play British guys. They're British. Role. Yeah, there's plenty of British characters and jobs waiting for them. You guys just like them because they don't do method acting, because that's kind of silly too, and I don't blame you for that. Bill Camp, though. Bill Camp is not British. Nope. Yeah. He's solid. Homebred. As Jeremy Strong, homebred. Homebred. Good old boys. Oh, I'd love to see those two together. What would that be? What's the story waiting for those two? Uh, the producers? <laughs> Starring Bill Camp and Jeremy Strong. <laughs> producers, the drama. <laughs> the heavy, dramatic version of the producers. Wow, okay. So we'll wrap up the pod with, okay, what's the rest of that cast? It's like, it's the drama. Aaron Sorkin's writing it. Okay. Uh, Fincher's directing this. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. So you need your Roger Debris. Your Roger Debris. Mm, Wallace Shawn. We always love Wallace Shawn okay. around here. Okay. Interesting choice. He still has to be silly, obviously. Yeah, he's silly. 
And that's why you get Wallace Shawn. Who's but he's, Car- like, still grounding it. You know? Who's Carlin Gia? Um, I don't know. You got anything? I'd say a dramatic turn for David Spade. I'll allow it. <laughs> like, this will be... A dramatic turn for David Spade. <laughs> uh, okay, who's, uh... Who's... David Spade and Wallace Shawn would be really funny. Who's the German guy? Uh... That one's tough. He's got to be. That's got to be like Bobby Cannavale. He's German though. Bobby Cannavale is Italian. So what? If, what about? He can be like crazy. What about Fassbender? And he's like crazy. Okay. Sure. 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 You need a guy like that. You need a guy who's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Ula. Florence Pugh. Done. <laughs> David Fincher, we're waiting. Yeah, call us. We'll uh, we'll get we'll have our people contact your people or whatever. All right, we'll get brunch. The next time we talk, the world will be at least a little bit different. A little better, or a little worse. Time will tell. A little bit different. We love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Hollow takes. Hashtag Hollow takes. <laughs>